0: Welcome to Friends and Fables, an interview series on our podcast where we chat with friends new and old about TTRPG and everything in between. I'm your host, Tanner Azanero, and today I'm joined by yet another integral force behind the scenes of everybody's favorite actual play series series. Dimension 20. He is one of the pillars of college humor and dropout TV as you know it now, directing such shows as Dimension 20, I'm um, Actually, Breaking News, Gods of Food, Total Forgiveness, the list goes on. Michael Schabach. Welcome, friend.
1: Yay! Friends and fables. Okay. It's no longer (laughs) foes and fables. It's friends and fables. We're rebranding everybody.
0: Foes are not allowed on on this series of our podcast. It is exclusively friendship. We have gotten rid of foes.
1: I love it. This is is a great (laughs) rebrand for anyone watching, looking for foes and fables. You're in the right spot. Don't go anywhere. We're now friends and fables. Sorry, you bought the T-shirts, <laughs> the pins, and the hats.
0: We'll be. But don't worry, what? everyone. We got all new merch. <laughs> that's how. That's how we keep you on the hook, is we just keep changing just the name. The name. Yep. So you got to continue it. buying. <laughs> it's dimension it's twenty-one now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. You know,
1: it's funny. I just picked up the um, the twenty-one sided dice pin that they have at the dropout store because. That was my pitch. So we, we didn't know what oh. we we're gonna do for them actually, uh, because we, we knew that we wanted a wall of props. And um, but we were like, how do we clear, how do we clear all these props? And we're like, no, no, they should all be wrong in some way because that's the spirit of the show. Yeah. And then I was like, Yeah, like a 21-sided dice. And then so that was that prop was specifically mine. So I love I that tried to get the pin. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic. I you my favorite one, um, I think from the more recent seasons uh is is the keyblade that's like a car key yeah. um i love <laughs> that one <laughs> that one's my favorite one so good uh, very,
1: creative team on that show is just absolutely amazing
0: yeah and yeah the questions i'm
1: as they come up with
0: i'm a dropout fiend so i i like you know i all yeah great yeah i constantly am just like that is my comfort like just, you know, station, like just uh, any time I just need to like either work and have something on or just like wind down. It's, it's usually, um, actually is my, is my go-to like wind. So down good. Show. Right. Yeah. It's
1: such a strong premise and uh, the people that they get on it are so good. And the questions are so hard. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun show to, to, get going for them and, and to, to stand up and, um, sort of bring it out of the office. Cause we shot in the office you know, like a corner of the office. And then we went into a room and then they were like, okay, we're going to build the set. So it was really fun to kind of be a part of that evolution.
0: Yeah. And, and bring it was Brennan
1: on and yeah, bring Michael was, Saltzman on and all, you know, bring lots of talented people into the door.
0: Yeah. I was about to say it was Brennan first who was kind of the Saltzman like role was, in writing yeah, a lot of the questions. Yeah, yeah. Cause it
1: was trap and trap was like, I can't do this. Like mm-hmm. trap trap was at that time, like writing literally everything. And I believe he was writing, um, uh, WTF one hundred and one. wow, the animated series. So yeah. like that, he was in the middle of that and he was just like, I can't. Mm-hmm. And so Brendan's name had been thrown around as somebody to come in and just be like, know all the nerd stuff. And so, yeah. yeah, that Brendan came in and which just started writing questions for us. And then that's the story where I, we're packed into this little room yeah. for our very first shoot day. And I had a spot just enough for one person to sit next to me in the room. Everybody else was out. Sound engineer was out. DP was out. I had camera ops in there. Uh, And I said, I got to have Brennan. I got to have Brennan sitting right next to me. And then like almost immediately there was an argument. So I was like, thank God he's in the room with me because I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into Pokemon with these folks, you know? (laughs) I that's on my wheelhouse
0: oh my god i i would i would pay so much to hear brennan shout about pokemon good oh Lord. he
1: was yeah is it because then saltzman came on, right because d20 yeah. took off so saltzman came on and then i had saltzman sitting next to me and it was so fu- i don't i, I want to say we were doing a rehearsal with him or something but i was like where's your laptop you know like where's mm-hmm. your where's your no no he had his laptop but it was like get your uh get your web browser open." He's like, what? I'm like, they're going to challenge you. You got to yeah. fight for your life here. <laughs> so he really put his feet to the fire. And then now he's on camera, which is yeah. just amazing. And the like, development of that evolution. is yeah.
0: fantastic. Fantastic. Um, really... uh, first and foremost, um, I, know you, I know you started with College Humor as an editor, uh, you know, as we talked about moving your way up to directing many of the shows. That story that you just told, you know, kind of the way in of, you know, Brennan Lee Mulligan bringing you on to direct dimension 20 at its inception and everything. Um, as you know, as a member of the dropout audience, we obviously get familiar with the recurring faces of who, you know, people, the actors who call dropout home and appear as a sort of rotating cast across the various different shows and everything. Um, as, as someone who's such an integral, Life force to the platform. What can you say about the culture of Dropout and how that has impacted the way that you approach your work across these various different programs?
1: Very good question. Um, Dropout is a really special place. Uh, it came from it came from a long line of ideas. So I'd been there since oh eight. And we had done a lot of different moves in lots of different directions. Like the reason why I was brought on, the reason why they had the money to hire another editor was because they had the MTV money for the MTV show, the College Humor show. Mm -hmm. And so I I came on to cut sketches and then sort of the game was to try to earn my way onto the show. Um, So right off the bat, we were making a TV show for, you know, a major network. And that was that was. A really intense time it was we've learned a lot about kind of I think we learned a lot about how we wanted to be in the world and it was our first experience with the network television and having a showrunner and 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 dealing with producers that have a say in our creative force And so, I think that from that moment on for Sam, and I can't speak for him, but having worked with him for so many years now, I would say that probably from that moment on, he became very precious about the culture and very picky about the outside people that we would allow in and have an opinion about what we make and how we make it. So… so that's where it's, it always starts at the top. And that and that at that time started with Sam and still does to this day. And that is to just sort kind of create a, a safe space for creatives, for diverse voices to come in and and write their brand of comedy. That was always that was always what it was like um, when I started directing. You know, we had we had such a beautiful cat. I mean, we every version of the cast I love, you know, um, from from the beginning to to. When I was an editor to when I became a director, but I would I would always sit down, and the first thing I would say to them, I still to this day when I when I start a new project, is I say, tell me your hopes and dreams, and I feel like that that's the heart of of Dropout. That's the that was the heart of you know college humor, Um, because now it's sort of like the Dropout brand is sort of like the Mm -hmm. go-to brand. So like Mm -hmm. the heart of it is that um, hopes and dreams of whose ever voice needs to be heard that we have a production force to take that creative voice and project that voice out into the world at a very high quality. And so in order to do that, it it has to feel completely safe because, um, you know, uh, I directed a sketch uh, written by Raf, which was um, which was about um, the NRA. Right, and so he was—he was an NRA member, and then we had sort of the two hillbillies on either side. Yes, like in yeah. order to pitch that script, he had to feel safe that he could that his voice could be heard and projected. I mean, it was a brilliant idea, and it actually turned into a segment on Adam Ruins Everything. So, it was just like that too. Is like a really cool like we. I call us the the scuba, right? the the um, scuba stands for self-contained underwater breathing apparatus, right? Okay, so like that's dropout is that. Like we are completely self-contained. We we bring talent in, uh, we create a safe space for them to uh, develop their comedic voice and then we make really great content with them without anybody but the people who want content which I think is really really cool. So we the the only the only people that we that we that we sort of kneel to or 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 you know uh listen to are the people that pay for the content because we're making it for you. And I think that that is just really really special and and like I said over the years we've learned a lot now Adam runs everything went off to True TV and so we had that experience and that was that was great and they had a wonderful run over there but the, again that that show just kind of went off and took off on on its own. Back home, back at the office, we were still just this, this very safe, tight knit group of people who were uh, just sort of hell bent on making really, really funny stuff from diverse voices.
0: Dropout has always, and I, and you know, part of part of you know why that was kind of my first question, and and why. Um... That's just always so that that question I want to ask like everyone at Dropout, as someone who no, like, uh, who loves the the platform so much and identifies so heavily with um a lot of the pillars that Dropout like very clearly stands for that that are translated across all of their shows and everything. It is truly, I think, the most honest, you know, TV. Out of available. I, I, th- I think dropout has this special, um, authenticity and culture and community that it has fostered. That is the, as, as someone who, you know, has only ever looked on from afar and, you know, obviously at this point in, in very small ways, gotten to, um, engage with some people who, you know, work uh, on dropout projects and engage in the culture directly and everything. It, it is so clear and apparent that the work that you guys do comes from that place of authenticity and comes from that place of care for one another and for uh, the audience um, in every single project that you do. Um, it, it really shows. And I, and I think that that you know, that it just tracks with everything we see, everything we see from dropout is so honest and so quality. And so from the heart and it's, it's like nothing else that is available and it's why, you know, it's the best, you know, subscription I've straight up ever had. Like I will, <laughs> it, you know, if I got to cut back on certain things, I will look at everything else. Before dropout and it's never on the chopping block ever because it is, it is that valuable to have that safe space of creativity, um, and entertainment, um, to myself specifically. And, and I'm sure many other people who enjoy the platform, Um, every single day and all the work that you guys do, um,
1: is incredible. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's very meaningful and (laughs) hopefully there's people that, that I work with that watch this and they can hear that as well, because that's one of my big speeches that I give is like, you don't see them out there. We're in this little studio somewhere in Los Angeles. Um, but, but they're out there and that's who we're, that's who we're talking to. So just trust me on it. (laughs) they're out there and they love it. And, uh, that's who we make it for. So I appreciate you saying that because, uh, it takes a lot of work and, um, you know, to, to, to put together a community like that and do it over and over again, it, it's just, it takes a lot of work and a lot of sort of top-down leadership to show the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, across kind of all of your time directing are, uh, I, i'm I'm this may be a tough question. I'm kind of putting it to you. I feel like it is the bane of a creator's uh existence this kind of question. Give it to um, me. I'll take the pain what are what are your top three moments of elated pride in you and your team's work? whether that be something from the day of a shoot that you know maybe is uh Uh, not private in a way of like, you know, something that's just for you, but more private in the sense of like something that we as an audience don't see. Um, If it is like a moment from when the audience received the work or just a moment where you kind of had to stop and really live in the pride of the work that you uh, do along with your friends at Dropout.
1: Yeah, that's a good question, because it allows me to highlight people that I work (laughs) with. Um, Yeah, so uh, thanks. And, And just so the audience knows, questions were sent ahead of time, so I was able to prepare if you corner me in a bar or at a con and ask me this question, I will freeze up and not remember anything.
0: Uh, that's just who I am. So I'm gonna I'm gonna echo that. that. I'm gonna echo that. If anyone asks me any question ever out in the world, I'm gonna need five minutes, five to ten, maybe longer. Um, so
1: here are my three. Uh, and there's a, there's a million because you know we've made uh, from editing to uh, co eping and to directing like it's been it's hundreds of things so uh, everybody that I've ever worked with all the producers that have come through and all my editors when I ran posts like they've all just been amazing but these are these are the three that sort of stand out I decided that I was going to sort of approach this one simply and just be like what are the first three that pop up in my head
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, so number number. I'll actually, save number one. For Ooh, less. So okay, a, got it. This isn't because it's because it's dimension 20 related, and this is Friends and Fables. And so it's like, you know,
0: mm-hmm, got it. I want to
1: yep. wanna stay on brand and I wanna end on the brand.
0: <laughs> we gotta stick with the new brand change. Got it. So I'll start off with just the to-
1: the sheer effort it took to make gods of food. Um, Gods of Food, which was Reka Shunker's brainchild because she's a foodie and she wanted to uh, contribute to, um, the f- the foodie genre and also meet some of her favorite chefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, made this amazing show, and I was just so lucky to be to be a part of it. It was eighteen days. We were all over Los Angeles. We were because we had to create Chef's Table on a percentage of the budget. Mm-hmm. And so we were innovating and inventing in the moment and going okay can we make can we do this and make it look like a brand new location and then can we do this because that's what we have time for. So every location we went into um we were like how many different spots can we can we make out of this one location? We actually wind shot this really cool one, which was it's a family lives there and it's just basically a giant house. And each room of the house is a different set. So it's like a, a room. That's a bar. There's a room. That's a prison. Oh, and then like awful. across the street is where they live. And it's a motel and they just live in one of the motel rooms. And so like, you know, it's, it's, it's Hollywood. like Mm -hmm. You you never know what you're going to find, but I mean, Mm -hmm. I've shot at some really, really cool locations. That was a cool one, but just getting that done. And I've been told by David Kern. So I'm licensed to say this to this day, the most beautiful thing that Dropout's ever done. And I'm so proud of that because that was my uh, norm, uh, my number one rule going into all this is like funny is first. That was the that was the rare time where I walked into the project and I said we have a tie for first, and that is it has to be beautiful and it has to be funny. Mm-hmm. Like neither of those two things can yield to each other; they have to coexist perfectly. Yeah. Uh, and so my team on that, Reiko is the showrunner, and we were side by side for that whole darn thing out in. Uh, Simi Valley during rattlesnake hatching season. Interesting fact about (laughs) rattlesnakes is that the baby (laughs) rattlesnakes are more dangerous than the adult rattlesnakes because babies don't know how to control their venom. So when they bite you, they unload all their venom and they're born with an adult's amount of venom. So that's a really fun fact to learn as a director, bringing 35 people out into the middle of a field in Simi Valley during rattlesnake season. Sometimes people (sighs) will go like, what is it like? How do you direct? Like, if you were to teach somebody how to direct, I said, okay, lesson one, take 35 people out to Simi Valley <laughs> during rattlesnake season and make really <laughs> funny content. And then everybody get out of there alive because it would have been a helicopter situation if somebody had uh, gotten bit. Like, that's how fast it happens. Oh, my so God. So, if somebody had gotten bit, it would have had to be a helicopter to fly in and fly out. It's where they shot a... Another fun fact is where they shot uh, Little House on the Prairie. So if oh. you, the Farm to Table episode is is like out there where they shot Little House. Just a really cool turning the corners. <laughs> yeah, it's truly, truly. Uh, and my and Snake Wrangler guy, he was great, but he was more of a drone guy. So like while he was looking for snakes, he was also pitching his drone stuff, which was that was interesting. Um, oh. So yeah. Uh, Gods of Food definitely up there. It's just like a feat of pure effort to get that all done. Um, and Reka, it was just an honor to work with Reka, and I've had the opportunity now to continue to work with Reka. So mm-hmm. uh, that that partnership is just great, and um, she's amazing. Number two, total forgiveness. Specifically, when Allie reads their journal at the bookstore. That first of all, just getting in there and 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 getting everything set, it was a, it was a rush. You know, it was like we were driving there during rush hour traffic, and so it was just kind of like getting settled and setting this thing up. And so many people came out. You know, we had an open invitation, and so many people came out to watch it. Uh, I had two brilliant editors on that show, Eve Hines and Nick Rude. Nick Rude cut that episode and that scene specifically. I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you right now, if you, if we played it right now, I would cry. I would mm-hmm. cry as hard as i cried the first time i watched it so it's just nick and i in the edit suite and like it was kind of one of these things where i was like he he stops it and we're just both looking straight ahead and in my head i'm like if you turn around you're gonna see a show if you're, you're gonna see because it was just a complete mess yeah um I think ostensibly, you look at a scene and a dare like that as something that, uh, you know, there's a legitimate amount of fear in sharing that time of your life. And there's something so magical about Allie Beardsley that they can just literally take anything and make it magical. Like, Mm -hmm. that's their gift. Mm -hmm. And it shows so much in Dimension 20, having sat down at the table, like our goal was to have somebody that never played before, and Allie was that person. And to come in and be like... I'm just going to tell a great story. I'm going to play great characters. I'm going to be funny um, for them to share the, you know, real journal entries from a very confusing and scary time for them it was just like, I'm going to start crying right now about it anyway, but the emotion that was put into that edit, you know, you could watch the raw footage and, and feel an emotion. Right. And when you were there, it was funny and jovial, but the way that Nick pulled the moments out and stacked the order the way that it was stacked, it's just, it was a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm still in that edit suite. The first time Nick ever showed it to anybody was me. We watched, we were the first two people to watch it together. And I just remember going, I'll tell you exactly what I said when he hit spacebar to stop. <clears throat> I said, um, I use swear word. I won't use it here, but I I use the F word. So imagine insert the F word.
0: You can say the, we say the F word all the time. Oh, you do. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you can say
1: it. Okay. Then I'll tell you, he hit the space bar, (laughs) tears in my eyes, tears in his eyes. I said, this is a fucking good show. Mm -hmm. This is a fucking good show. Yeah. And that's just, that's a nice feeling because no one person makes a good show. And so when you say a statement like that, what you're really saying is that every person that contributed their talent did it with all of their heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to make a good show. It's so hard. I tell people on dimension 20, I said, you don't just work on a television show. You work on a good television show.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Like I'm not going to shade anybody, but there's a lot of trash out there, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's a lot of people making a good living and, having good careers, but they, they don't love the thing they work on. And my heart really goes out to them. Yeah. My, my heart really goes out to them because it's, it's an incredibly rare experience to work on a good show. Number three, which is the number (laughs) one, that first. So, um, dimension 20 episode two, the first battle. When we decided that we were going to make this show, we decided that we weren't going to do what anyone else was doing. We wanted to do something different. This was the mandate from Brennan. You know, this is a professional coming into the situation and saying, I am a professional when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons, and I know every single show that's out there. Here's every show, and I'm going to show you the slice of pie where we're going to slide right in. And we're going to complete the beautiful whatever your favorite pie. I'm not going to get into it because, you know, you just get people are getting the comments. Mine's pumpkin. <laughs> but that was the idea it wasn't mm-hmm. to come in and eat from anybody else's dish. It wasn't to come in and be better than Critical Role, which is evident in the fact that we had Matt Mercer on the second season, mm-hmm. Escape from Gladkeep. Mm-hmm. We wanted to add. And so one of the things that we decided we were going to do, which was shoot the minis, because Rick Perry and his team spent so much time on these minis, I thought it would be a travesty if we didn't try to get down in there and and immerse the audience, right? Immersion was a lot of what we were talking about. How can Mm -hmm. we make you feel like you're sitting at the table? How can we make you feel like you're in this battle? Kenny Keeler was my DP for that first season. And uh Santiago Batti was my was my uh was the AC for Kenny. And Santiago ended up taking over and DPing all the way through uh Mice and Murder mm-hmm. before the current DP, who's um uh Kevin Stiller is is still a DP for the show. They created this monstrosity. That's what it was. It was mm-hmm. a monstrosity. <laughs> it was a Dana Dolly, which is basically just two steel pipes with uh uh roller skate wheels with a little platform okay and then it was a a collection of sea stand things pipes and stuff uh-huh. because we what i ordered <laughs> i always apologize before i do this stuff tanner do you understand <laughs> i always stop for a second and say what i'm about to request from you hasn't been done or might feel
0: impossible. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. uh, But we're going to do
1: it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be there with you. I'm not going to just like go and smoke a cigarette and then come back and be like, where I'm going to be in it with you. But what (laughs) we're about to do is very hard. Yeah. I needed to have dollying and jib pan and tilt. I needed to have everything. I needed to be able to do giant cinematic moves at, Six millimeters. Yeah. Or whatever. what are what are minis? I don't know. I don't even know. Ask Rick Perry. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't accept Rick Perry and say, Rick Perry, how tall are those little things? Because they're not that tall. <laughs> I said, here's the shot that I want. If we can do this shot, then I know that we can do anything. I want to come up from behind the table and I want to jib up and then I want to dolly across the lunchroom. Yeah. If we if we can do that, because that's incredibly complex mm-hmm. at that scale, I said there's really nothing that we can't do, and that was the first shot we set up. And I can still see the monitor. You know, they give me a little monitor, and I was just like, another moment. It's a
0: fucking good show. Yeah, it's yeah. A fucking good show. You know. Yeah, that's incredible. So, that's incredible. Yeah. I all all those moments are just so uh there's a better word than vindicating but vindicating it for the creative type to see not even you know obviously in some of those instances it's not the full product and some it is but even just those moments where it feels um where everything you're doing feels right and good yeah and especially To go back to what we were talking about earlier, the authenticity of, of dropout and everything, the fact that overall you guys are a, you know, comedy platform, you know, funny first in, in most scenarios, um, it is, it is, we had a, we had
1: a catchphrase at the beginning. Fucking funny or well, I forget what it was. (laughs) It
0: was something like that. It's better than TBS because it's not very funny. It's like very fucking funny. (laughs)
1: Yeah, something like
0: that. I don't remember what it was,
1: but yeah.
0: Um but yeah, it, it it just goes to show that that authenticity, like even when even when funny comes first, so many other real human emotions and and human um just experience follows along that, you know, f- funny comes first goal and yeah. gives you that holistic experience, um especially in, you know, the final product of, of gods of food, those yeah. special, special moments in total forgiveness and the innovation of dimension 20 all breeds, you know, so many layers of creativity and so many layers of authenticity behind, you know, the, the frontal, uh, torch of, of comedy or beauty or what have you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those moments are, are the best. And, and as I used to do, um, before I did, uh, D D podcasting, I, I did music, um, and it was a yeah. solo project entirely. And, um. It, it, it eventually I stopped doing it. It just was not very rewarding and everything But then we started doing, uh, foes and fables and everything and foes and fables yeah. immediately was that kind of like gut this punch rewarding yeah. effort to make something with, in my case, you know, my best friends and the people that I care about and to have those moments where, you know, we can look back and, and for us, it's our, this is a fucking good show and even beyond that just we're having a great time at the table as friends and um yeah those moments are priceless and i'm i'm really glad that you've got even a longer list i could listen this whole episode could just yeah. be that list <laughs> i could just tell stories on on. Of, yep, yep. of the amazing times that we had uh, yeah wow well, well thank you for sharing um yeah to, to a perfect segue to kind of dive a little bit more into dimension 20. Um. Firstly, as you kind of like did your first dive into this obviously new kind of show, um, what was your history, if any, with D and D, and were there um obviously we've talked about you know this monstrosity of of like uh of a camera operation uh but yeah. there a, 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 alongside that were there any other like new methods of approach um that an actual play show required when compared to other projects that you've worked on
1: you know th- there's something there's something I try to do when I start a creative endeavor and I like to make sure that I'm not trying to keep up with anyone right mm-hmm. the core to my leadership is that If the culture is correct and that we all respect each other and we all do our jobs excellently and we all treat each other kindly, you're going to get the best out of everybody. It's going to be a safe space where everyone feels good about doing their very, very best. So the way I approach Dimension 20 being somebody who, and I think there was a little question in a question there, there's a a shopping a, a shopping center where I grew up called Seven High. I grew up in <clears throat> two places in Minnesota. My dad lived in northern Minnesota. I lived in and, and my mom lived in in Minneapolis, a suburb of Minneapolis. And inside the Seven High was a Ben Franklin. And inside the Ben Franklin, they had a game section. And there they had Dungeons and Dragons, the Red Box. Mm. And so I convinced my mom to get me that because I was very interested in storytelling. And I opened the box. I read it, and I started to, I started to feel really um, sort of constrained by their suggested stories, which are just you know it's what they're supposed to do. It's a backbone of their product. Right. Um, let's assume that we want to get people want to just get started, and so I ended up just like writing my own. I was reading The Hobbit at the time, so I just started writing my own, you know, role playing games with that, with, with with things that I was interested in. You know, um, Martian Chronicles was another one that was big for me at that time. So I I wrote a whole Martian Chronicles oh, very one. cool. And I could only get my mom to do it. And it was just like, I, get, I just couldn't get kids together for it. You know, it's a fizzle. <laughs> I didn't have Brennan's, you know mother as the as the backbone my mom was great and uh you know very busy as a single mom so uh you know when it came to like going uh yeah we're gonna do a larp and mm-hmm. every weekend like that just <laughs> it wasn't gonna happen and that's okay she, mm-hmm. you know music was a big part of her life and that's the gift that she gave me uh so uh you know every every parent has a gift and Ideally, they they pass it on, but yeah, it didn't. My, I had my best friend ran a ran a game, but he lived too far away, and so it was just something that always kind of swirled around me. Something that I always found interesting, but in no way was I any kind of professional D and D person who knew all of the rules. and And at that point in time, Five E was just coming out, and Brennan was even considering was it going to be, you know. 25e, And I think he just finally settled on that. Uh, he really liked the death mechanics. That was sort of one of the big sale points for him to, to, to make dimension 25 E. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and um, so um, all that being said, what I said to myself in creating the show is, well, I've got Brennan, right? So the focus of the game mechanics and the storytelling, Brennan's got that. Uh, well, I got Rick Perry, and so the creation of the art, the dome, going to uh, going to Ikea and, and picking out chairs and having the cast test the chairs, and uh, <laughs> I've got Kenny, he's going to be my DP, and uh, Lou Stenet was the first uh, producer before uh, Ebony Harden took over. Um, I got Lou to take care of the finances. You know, Lou handles mm-hmm. the money, and mm-hmm. that whole learning about minis and Lou had never done it. I said, so "I got the, I got the, the the backbone, the bones of a great show here." So I, what I'm going to do is I'm I'm going to focus on the culture of it. I'm going to I'm going to make everyone feel safe. Uh, it's going to start with me, and everyone's going to have the understanding that this is this must be the most safe creative space. Because what we're asking of these performers, and at the time it was a geodesic dome, was to go into this ridiculous dome and be funny for two and a half hours an episode, right? Yeah. And so... It it, it, it it can't work unless it's that way. If I'm if I'm fighting with my producer and we're having screaming matches, all the stories you hear about lost, you know, Hollywood and and movie making and TV making, it's all true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can be incredibly toxic. It's confrontational. It's long hours, uh, long shoots, um, big personalities, lots of egos. If I'm having a screaming match with my producer about how uh, I'm upset that she hasn't found the money uh, for Rick Perry's, uh, you know, um, arcade set, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's going to seep out to to everybody on set, obviously, but also the creatives. And now the creatives are going to go into that dome and they're going to go, God, Shabak and Lou are like fighting. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> so, they, they have that on their, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's so... Precious. It's like an egg. It's like you just have to be so careful with it to make sure that everything feels safe and good, because it truly is. I mean, it is. We watch Dimension Twenty, and I watch it, and you watch it, and we all watch it. I watch it a lot. I mean, <laughs> if, I, if it's if it's a mini season, I watch every episode at least four times. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, we're seeing years of improvisational practice. Teaching and performing, all coming together at Brennan's table, which is years of improvisation and teaching from his perspective, and also D and D gameplay. So, uh, all of that can only exist in a space that is completely safe. And so that, when I'm just creating the show, I and that's how I do every show. If you start there then all the other pieces sort of fall into place. You can't really you can't really think about every single thing. Your brain would explode. Mm-hmm. If you thought about every single component of a show all at once like you would be like this is impossible. What you have to do is you have to trust that those things will come and sometimes they come a little faster than you want but they'll come at a you know at a pace that you can sort of start to get the rhythm of and be like okay it's this and this is a problem great we're going to do this this all the while standing on a firm ground of mutual respect you can handle anything yeah you're not defending yourself i don't have to watch out for somebody coming after me when i'm dealing with an issue i know everything's taken care of and i can solely focus on whatever the problem is in front of us yeah you know and i guess that's my advice for for young people getting into this business is that when you're making your own projects like your like your your podcast here right if you were to think about all the interviews you had to do the day that you thought of it you'd be like i can't i can't, I can't mm-hmm. do this this is it's too much talking but it mm-hmm. isn't that it's it's over a stretch of time and over that time you have time to evolve and over that time you have time to get better at what you're doing tweak things you know it's like working on a car mm-hmm. which i've never done <laughs> <So> i can't <laughs> don't don't look for any more analogies that <laughs> i've never worked on a car I could assume it's
0: like working. I a was, car. I literally was, I was agreeing with you. And in my head, I was going like, I've never worked on a car. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh man. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I think that, and like to, you know, widen that even further, like that is just fantastic advice for people like getting into the industry, into the entertainment industry, people just playing D and D you know, yeah. the fun can't happen unless everybody is comfortable and safe and everything. Um, and even, Truly. you know, further beyond the d d table, just groups of people can't, you know, perform well or, or be happy or function unless they feel safe and in a good environment and are, you know, respected by the people around them. Um,
1: it seems like a no brainer, but
0: <laughs> you'd think you'd think
1: from what I can tell, it seems like a lot of people are having a trouble Doing that very simple thing. So, uh, like I said, my heart, my heart really does go out to people who are in a miserable situation and going, well, I, I did come out to LA and I am working in television. I hate everybody I work with. And this is abusive. If you're in a situation where you're having a miserable time in this business, my heart goes out to you. And I hope that your talents lead you to me one day. And you can be on one of my sets because, um, because there is a way to make great content and also, uh, be happy with your work. It's not about, it's not easy. It's still a hard day's work, you know, Yeah. but you don't go home crying. Yeah. All the horror stories I hear, you know, crying in the car and all that, like, it just sounds awful. Yeah. So I hope, I hope that, I hope that one day your talents lead you to me or anybody that I've worked with that's seen how it works and they go off and they create their own content and create their own beautiful loving sets. I hope that it touches you in some way. You finally get here um, truly because, you know, I think it stops a lot of really talented people from, from advancing in the industry, which is really sad. It's really sad. Yeah. Anyway. Um, It's like kind of a downer moment. I don't think so though. I don't
0: (laughs) know. We got a dip before we, before we climb back up. Yeah. Now we're, um, now we're coming home. Yeah. Kind, that does kind of make me think though, like as much as, you know, downer moment. Sure. But I, I don't think so. It, it kind of brings up like just a thought for me then is, is, is it obviously the culture at dropout is of the utmost importance and everything. Um, is it kind of a case where it is very much like for new people coming in, it's kind of a balance between like, uh, welcoming open arms, but then also, you know, protection of that culture and everything. Is that kind of the balance of like bringing people on? And I would imagine, honestly, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine with how the way that everyone talks about it, that people aren't, you know, banging on the door constantly, just wanting to, Mm -hmm. you know, find a better workspace to get into. Truly.
1: Yeah. I think we win a lot of people over.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't, I don't think that uh, some people come on and know the show very, very well. And other people come on because they were brought on by a friend or they're replacing somebody and they don't really know what they're getting into. Sound engineers, really. Uh, we have a lot of new sound engineers every season. A lot of people have never seen Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm like, you're, just about, you're about to see like the best it ever is. Like, yeah. And they have such a hard job, too. So I'm very close with all my sound engineers. Um, uh, but that being said, I mean, I don't mind staffing changes when they need to happen because not everybody wants to participate. Mm-hmm. Not everybody wants to participate. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, there's something about the stress set life that they really loved, and they don't want any of this lovey-dovey stuff. So um, it's few and far between, but we've made a lot of shows, and it just doesn't always work out that way. So um, we, you, you have to be like a mother cougar. <laughs> when it comes to creating something as innovative as a emotionally safe set, yeah, yeah. you have to guard the entrance to the cave and yeah. say, if you're not into this, you're not welcome here because it only takes one person to come in and wreck it.
0: Yep. yeah, yeah, uh, Yep. I know that. Yep. Creatives all kind of have their own style that comes out in their creations and everything what would you say are some moments in dimension 20 where your directing style and kind of the fingerprints of your artistry shine through in a way that you can look back on and recognize?
1: I tell people that the more people that say it's my show, the better the show is. And Mm. so one of the things that, that I pride myself on is that I encourage people who come back season after season to call it their show. Um, it's so funny. The Academy Awards has an a, 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 an award for Best Director, which it just cracks me up mm-hmm. because you can't. The fact that that goes to one person is just the funniest. It's so. It's such. It's <laughs> so for directors. It's mm-hmm. so for directors. Uh, it's it's such the personality type of a director, and I'm fully self aware of it. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. a director because I fell into this. I mm-hmm. aggressively pursued this line of work, yeah, um, because it spoke to all of my experience and all of the things that I like to do, which is like talk, and <laughs> um, you know, yeah. gently boss people around. Mm-hmm. But I also like to have a creative vision, and I like that creative vision to be um, collaborative. Um, So when I look at something like like the minis, for example, like the whole show, like, I feel like has my fingerprint, along with a lot of other people's fingerprints. But the fact that that show gets done and it's good, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very much a part of with, you know, 20 other people who come back uh, season after season. The minis for me was like a really exciting Dropout did this thing where they were like, okay, we're going we're gonna to do scripted and we're going to do unscripted. So I got a lot of unscripted. I got Gods of Food, which was really nice. And I loved shooting sketches. I shot a bunch of them. Um, and so I really love scripted projects. And I'm really lucky to be known as a director that directs both unscripted and scripted. This business is very siloed. And so, you yeah. know, you pick what you're going to be is scripted comedy. Great. Scripted comedy, half hour television you know Mm -hmm. this netflix that everything has its little category so i'm very very lucky um so when things were being sort of doled out uh i got to mention 20 which was great and i loved it i got to work with brennan but i was like you know I, i i felt like the um I, I called myself the the party host, right? So mm-hmm. for unscripted, you're, you're kind of the party host. Like you greet everyone and, how you doing? I mean, nice time. Can I get you something to drink? Here's our snacks. And, you know, you are hosting the party and that's yeah. the vibe. You're creating the vibe. It was exciting to have the minis element of it because it was kind of like a scripted element to an unscripted show. Mm-hmm. Because I could, uh, once the show is done, it's essentially, it's, it's a completed piece. You know, I, I just want to make that clear. Dimension 20 is not scripted. It, yeah. it, there's a force out there. It's it's so funny, but there's a force of people out there that truly believe it is. And uh, what I have to say to them is it's, it really is just that good. And they really are really making it up. I mean, they really, truly are. Yeah. Um, which is also another thing for directing a show like Dimension 20. You really have to give a lot of that control up, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. the whole magic of it is where they're going to go. So it's really not, a. it's not for a director who needs to come in and be like, this is my show and I'm going to, um, it's going to have my voice and it's going to be my way or the highway. You can't, that's not, that. that's yeah. not the this show. The this, this show has to be a collaboration, but the minis is where I kind of really got to to put my fingerprint on something inside of it that felt really innovative and really creative. And I got to do like, I got to do shots in minis that I would do for humans you Mm -hmm. know and like that would be really expensive to do for humans i got to do all of that and so it's a really nice showcase of like my abilities to my understanding of filmmaking and telling a story as well so like you know uh it's really good for me yeah (laughs) you know yeah um but that's not why I do it obviously I do it cuz it's a really great show to make and I do everything for Brennan uh this is Brennan's show and um so I'm really I, I serve at the pleasure of Brennan Lee Mulligan mm-hmm. um but yeah I would say sort of like the, the overall dna of the show and Minis specifically I feel like that's that's where my fingerprint lies on 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 that show yeah so and and now even Minis is like even it, just, it was the, it was three people in the and I would have to wow. rewatch and and I would have to like, sort of zoom in on the footage and be like, I think they're here. I think it's this. Yeah. We were, I remember, con- I remember comparing the butts on the corn, on the corn gremlins and going, <laughs> okay, is it, is it, is it this butt? Or is it this butt? Oh you know, because back God. then I, I didn't know, I didn't know what I was. I didn't know the rules yet. I hadn't made the rules. Uh And so I was like very strict with myself. I was like, I absolutely have to set the board exactly how it is in the overhead. Otherwise, we're going to get grilled beyond belief. And I have to show every movement. You'll see in that first battle, it's my hand moving it. Okay, this is what they want to see. Now I've completely restructured it. I have a wonderful team. I have a whole art department that handles where everything is. I basically just sit at village. Now, sometimes I come over and accidentally break something and then I apologize and then go back to video village. Mm-hmm. They can't stop me. You understand? They can't <laughs> stop me from going over there. I do miss holding the minis, but now yeah. seeing what they go for an auction, like it's kind of like every time when they're being walked, that's just like with such yeah. careful care. Yeah. Um, I was literally, yeah,
0: no. it's funny you yeah. bring that up. Cause I was literally rewatching, um, Uh, I'm showing my roommate crown of candy for the first time right now, just so I can relive crown of candy through my roommate who hasn't seen it. Um, And we were watching, um, it was the uh, chapel battle um, at the church. And there's the scene where, where all the, the minis are jumping out of the window. And I remember watching that last night and I was like, how the, how the fuck did they get okay with just dropping those? I, clearly it was like dropping, like knocking them no into someone's yet. hand. We,
1: yeah, we did. we made a little landing pad for them. Yeah. Uh, oh <laughs> yeah. God, no, it would in the old, old days, it was Rick Perry because we would shoot in the morning. We would shoot the minis in the mornings and then we'd shoot the episode at the night. So the previous night's battle, I would shoot in the first half of the day and then we'd shoot an episode in the evening because every, the entire cast was upstairs mm-hmm. making sketches or other yeah. dropout shows. Um, but yeah, it would be Rick Perry. And I would go in very sheepishly and be like, I'm sorry. I broke this one. you <laughs> would be like, okay, here, just give it to me. It's so sweet. <laughs> but yes, we threw those minis around. We do not do that anymore. We're so much more careful with yeah. those minis. Yeah.
0: I remember watching that. It was giving me so much anxiety. It <laughs> was scene. all
1: pre auction. We had no, up until that point, all minis and board sets were put into, uh, uh Raiders of the Lost Ark type. Yeah. Boxes and sent to storage, and we never really knew what we were going to do with them again. Yeah. I had the idea. My idea was to take the set pieces, the the boards themselves, and mm. nail them to the outside of the dome. And so, so then, the, over time, the dome would just be covered in the in the boards. Oh, uh, but then yeah, the the dome went away, and we had you know the fire marshal and all that.
0: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that's that so was my ran, idea.
1: Though. I thought that would be so cool. You know, just it like would have been covered.
0: Yeah. I agree. I agree with yeah. you. Yourself and your and the entire team behind Dimension 20, obviously, you know, it is the entire team's show. It is everyone there's show. Everyone has their fingers on the pulse of the show, season after season, consistently delivering incredible storytelling, authentic performances, everything on all fronts. So maybe, and I feel like you've kind of answered this, but I also, I I don't want to skip this question because I feel like it's, um, even more to the point of what you've kind of been driving home our entire conversation. But what, in your opinion, is the heart of the show and secondary question, like, what would you say? Uh, for your, at, at least for yourself, but maybe just for even the culture of the entire show, makes keeping your finger on the pulse of said heart a labor of love year after year. Good
1: question. Um, the heart of the show is everything that I've said about the show that makes it special up to this point, plus the fact that we can be reactive to the story that mm. no one person that works on the show says this show is on guardrails. The show is a train on train tracks. We're not, we are an out of control car. Uh, very quickly driving on a mountain's edge at any given point and about to fly off. And when we fly off, we also make that good. Um, Abria says, um, I want to do like a silhouette. I want to do a silhouette of the big bad for my uh, Misfits one shot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we just built these brand new walls. And the way that we made the LEDs, the LEDs are backlit. Mm-hmm. And the way we made them brighter was we put um, a backing on the walls. Mm-hmm. And Abria comes with her brilliant mind and says, I want to have the big bad walking behind the walls i want the silhouette and then i want the horns to come up on the wall behind me and we all look at each other and we just built these walls and it was like almost without hesitation i was like uh, we need to take the backing off the walls yeah like it wasn't a discussion with a and talking about how do we redirect Abria. And her wishes, it was, how do we do exactly what she's asking for?
0: Mm.
1: How do we do exactly what she's asking for? Because what she's asking for, first of all, is from a genius mind. And also, it's going to look fucking sick. Yeah. It's going to be something that we've never seen before. So, we took the back off the walls. And we put our, he's now the, he's now the. Um, he runs the whole studio there. His name's Ivan. He was a PA at the time. I went over to Halloween Adventure. Mm-hmm. And got a cloak and uh horns and uh the gloves, and we made that silhouette and we had the horns come up behind a bria, and now we have projectors mm. and scenes uh created for us to immerse the audience and the players. So I think that 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 to me is like looking at a creative team and saying, pull the walls and pull the backs off and the team going, yep, that's what we got to do. That's every season now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nothing, there's nothing that is impossible. Obviously we seven people give or take depending on the season. I mean, obviously when it's Drake Queens and we have all those big outfits, it's gotta mm-hmm. be four yes. plus Brennan.
0: Yep. yep.
1: Uh, big personalities. we got to have a little less people around the table. Mm-hmm seven people around a table telling a story what else can we add to that how can we add to that every single season how can we make this better the lighting the projections um you know giving uh giving Brennan control you know uh, he came back from critical role and he said I want control mm. you know we used to cue everything for him and then we we'd have to listen and it wasn't always right and there's nothing scripted so we would okay when i when i go to this location you'll hear me say it that's when i want you to go came back from critical role and he goes i had i had buttons yeah So okay we got to get brendan buttons at a team that went yep and here's what we do and we're going to order this and this and this and this and brendan sat down and he had buttons yeah you know it, 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 it it's really a gift to work with a team that never says that's impossible there are things that are out of budget sure but we just what is it that you're trying to do? Got it. How about this? It's it might even look better, and it's something that we can execute because that's our that's our rule, right? We don't we we do things to the level of that we can perform excellently. We don't push beyond that because we have a quality a standard of quality that we have to live up to. So we always we always live within um, wh- what do we have the ability to do great? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. sabria pull the walls off, pull the backs of the walls off and now look at the show. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really special.
0: Yeah. And And bringing
1: in those voices too, bringing in a bringing in Jasmine, like it's all fresh ideas. It's cool.
0: Yeah. And, and it, it shows every single episode, every single second of every episode it, it, it shows and just the progression of the show and the progression of The limitless potential of dimension 20 is, is what makes it so clearly, you know, one of the best shows out there, um, actual play or not. And, um, it's been, it's been a joy to, uh, talk with you and and hear firsthand about the joy of creating it, and you know, I'm I keep I'm trying to build my infinity gauntlet of all my dropout people that I've gotten <laughs> to interview, and just the more I talk to everybody, the more I'm like, man, God, it's just it's exactly what comes across when I'm sitting on my couch after a long day, and I got to wind down, and I need that, you know, culture and and that level of entertainment, and yes, anding on from all members yeah. of the team to you know help me wind down. And, and it's, it, it is a joy to get to speak with, um, you and, and all your colleagues and everything. And, um, we're really thankful that we've been giving your guys this time, um, to talk about
1: a Thank you for, thank you for taking the time. I think that, I think that for a lot of people, they can watch the show and they can say that looks like a fun place to work. And it's really fun to have the opportunity to come in and go, it really is. yeah, uh, and that takes a lot of work. And so I appreciate you appreciating it so much and giving us a platform for people who are behind the camera to really sort of sing the praises of everybody behind the camera because it takes it takes an army of people, yeah, to get the show uh, thought of what the season's going to be, the season produced, the season edited. And then the season marketed and released It is just, it's an amazing group of extremely talented people who are very good at their jobs.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, okay. You, you had a bonus question. You had a bonus question. that I did. I, I
0: didn't to, want to take your time. I didn't want to take up too much of I your time. To, I
1: want to answer it because, um, you know, in this day and age as a creative, I think that it is absolutely. I, I think it's the standard, but it's, it, it's, it's perfectly normal to look up to, Uh, creative people are ahead of you and feel inspired by them enough to follow in their footsteps. And there are a group of amazing filmmakers that I would consider to be sort of my film school that, uh, you know, I still appreciate to this day, but I will say that the longer you're in this business, the less you you look to the head of the table Mm. and the more you look Across the table, so there are there four four actually. I'm going to mention four. There are four colleagues of mine who I consider to be uh, people that I that I came up with and that I I would say are above me Mm -hmm. in their success. But you know that's who that's not for me to, to to decide. These are people that I look up to that I can also consider my peers. Um, and so I want to mention them for people here that watch the show. If they want to seek out really cool people that are, mm. uh, these are other directors that I sort of came up with uh, a new Valia was a, was a producer uh, at college humor and went on and became a brilliant director. She directs big time TV shows now. And it's absolutely amazing. After party uh, just like that. Um, uh, you know, her name will pop up on these, on these big shows, the other two, which was a Sarah Schneider show. Hmm. Um what led to the string of television successes was a short film that she made uh called Lucia Before and After. And she won um Sundance, the short film with wow. it. The short film Sundance with it. So a uh, Seek Out, a New Valia, and everything that she's working on, and especially her short film, Lucia Before and After. It's a brilliant piece of filmmaking. Sammy Cohen is somebody that actually did a lot of uh, um uh, sketches when I was uh, at when I was directing sketches as well, and she's absolutely amazing. She has a movie out right now on Netflix, just a little old movie on Netflix mm-hmm. called <laughs> "You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah." She's brilliant and an amazing human being. Seek her stuff out. She's also doing big TV shows and stuff, but that's a big movie. Adam Sandler's in it, and it's really amazing. And then one of my oldest friends at College Humor, Josh Rubin, is just like exploding Mm. uh, on the horror scene with uh, with Scare Me and then uh, Werewolves Within, uh, now with the new comic out. So, seek out Josh Rubin and everything that Josh Rubin does because he's absolutely amazing. The fourth person. And this is – I'm going to plug something, too. Mm always plug dimension 20 and all of drop out subscribe it's what six bucks a month now Mm. they got cool merch look at this i got these buttons just came in this is all the wow yep so it's all fun stuff and you can celebrate i got buddy bear on my lapel here Mm -hmm. uh that's a little merch plug i make no money from that i make no money from the merch (laughs) hey it's good merch hey it's great merch um I have had the distinct pleasure of directing a uh, a new TTRPG that's coming out uh, this fall called Desiquest, and it is the brainchild of Jasmine Boulard, who was uh, who came over to Dimension Twenty mm-hmm. um, and did Coffin Run with us, and uh, they invited me over there, which was very very special, uh, and so we got to make uh, a season of that show. It's going to come out. It's something brand new. Uh, it's. We tried to make it not like anything that you've seen before in TTRPG. It's an all Desi cast. Um, These are actors who are working in an industry where there is one checkbox Mm. for a person of color. Mm. And so they never get the chance to work together. And what Jasmine has done is created a space where they all get to work together and make amazing content. So look out for uh desi quest coming out this fall and also look out for jasmine bular who is in a lot of ttrpg stuff big in the market but um as far as i'm concerned the dynasty of jasmine bular is on the horizon uh, so look out for everything that she's doing watch all of her stuff uh, support her as an artist she is absolutely an amazing amazing person to work with so thank you for that bonus question I love singing other people's praises because uh, we all raise each other up in whatever it is we're working on and we're all trying to create great content. And ultimately together with my colleagues, we're trying to reinvent this industry yeah. and make it a good safe place to work in.
0: Yeah. Well, again, I can't, I can't sing your praises enough, Michael. Um, you and and everybody else that drop out. It just, it's thank you and, and everyone else for all the, uh, safe spaces that you create for other people, um, <clears throat> that sometimes it's hard to reach, um, wherever they're at. So yeah, it has been an honor. Thank you so much. We so Thanks appreciate for it. Me. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to friends and fables. Goodbye. Formerly foes and fables. We're still friends. And now <laughs> <We'll> we're <laughs> friends. And, we're <laughs> we'll be foes and fables later
1: in the week. Later in the week, we'll be back. Okay. So we're still, okay. So this is a, this is a branch of, the foes and yes. so this is a dinosaur I'm part of an I'm part of like a network now
0: yes you get a you get a I'm kingdom a spin-off. yeah <laughs>